I am a planting pastor. We have not planted Cistern yet, other than, than it's this idea. We've started gathering people. We've not begun meeting on Sunday morning, so that gives me the freedom to be here. It gives me the freedom to visit other churches, other church plants. And as he said, I'm, I'm anchored through the Houston Church Planting Network's residency, church planting residency, with Neartown Church. And so I don't know if you guys know this or how much you know the details um, of of the Bridge Mantras, they share office space with Neartown Church. And so, so anytime I'm up there for a Neartown Church staff meeting, um, Heath and the staff of, of the Bridge Mantras are right there. And so it's been an honor and privilege to get to know those guys. And they've invited me to come speak here with you guys. And I get to start, kick off this series on spiritual disciplines. Uh, this is the second time I've come to preach here. The first time the elders invited me to come speak is part of the Roman series um, on a little passage that began with the wrath of God is poured out on all mankind. Um, So I got to speak on the wrath of God, and now I get to speak on discipline. Uh, So I think I'm I'm catching on to what Heath is doing here, kind of running me through the ringers. So we get to talk about spiritual disciplines. We're going to do that out of 2 Peter. Uh, Second Peter is is in the New Testament. If you have if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible um, under your chair. And uh, if if you're going to go that route with the chair Bible, I get to help you out even more. It's on page 875. Um, so you don't even have to like know where that is. Just know where 875 is. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible and you want one, uh, just grab that one under your chair. It's yours. Um, and we're, we're going to jump into that in just one moment. But before we do, I kind of want to start off just with this premise, with this idea, this huge assumption I'm going to make about you, that I'm making about me, really I'm making this assumption about all mankind. It's that nobody, no one starts anything with aspirations of being mediocre. Think about it. No one, no one begins, say, a hobby. Say if you want to pick up baking. You don't go to Williams-Sonoma and, and drop your well-earned cash on baking pans and utensils, and I don't even know what those rubber things are on the end of a a stick. Um, See, that's how much I'm into baking. But you don't get into baking and put money down on a hobby uh, with aspirations uh, of hashtagging your pictures on Instagram with nailed it. Uh, You don't want to be that disaster. Uh, You want to do things well. Uh, and it's, it's not only true of hobbies, but it's also true of, of things that, that you don't want to do. Typically, when you just start something, you, you, you begin thinking, hey, how can I do this well? It could be your job. It could be your career. It could be like, for me, a couple years ago, it was coaching t-ball. Um, I'd signed up my kid for t-ball. He was, getting, he was placed on a team, and everything was going great. And then I got an email from, from the mob um, or the league officials um, basically threatening me. Uh, they said uh, something fell through with the coach. I'm not sure the details. It was two years ago. But they basically threatened me and said, you need to step up and coach the team. Okay, it was sent to all the parents. But they said, uh, somebody needs to step up and coach the team or else. And that's the way it was said, or at least that's what it was written in the email. That's the way I read it. Or else uh, your kids are going to join other teams and they'll get less playing time. Uh, and so I don't cave to threats or terrorists, but you, you threaten my kids' playing time uh, in a sport that they love, then I'm like, okay, I stepped up. I said I would coach. Ten minutes later, they send me the roster. They send me all the information for the team. 
Uh, this is something I did not want to do. I did not sign up for, but I find myself sitting in my office chair looking over the list of names, and I'm like, Tyler sounds like an athlete. It's like we, we got two Bens and a Bennett and a bow. Like we got the killer bees lined up there. Like we don't, we don't have a Jose and Carlos to make up the middle infield, but, but we could be really good. And I start dreaming, and I'm like, we're going to win the city championship. There's no such thing. Uh, I learned later, but I'm dreaming of this success that we're going to have on the field, and I didn't even want to do this 10 minutes ago, but I'm sitting there daydreaming of what it would look like to be successful, and, and I believe this isn't only true of hobbies or jobs or careers or things we get roped into, but it's also true of our spiritual lives. If you think back to, to when you first responded in faith to God's grace, when you, when you first became a part of this family of God. We have dreams, we have aspirations of what it would look like to share our faith with our family and friends, of what it would be to be that encouraging brother or sister to those around us, of what it could look like to walk as a spiritual giant. We, we have these aspirations, and I believe they're true of us as well. And so how do we get there? How do we get from that new believer, that new creation, to, to walking out our faith as we hope to one day? And that's, that's what the spiritual disciplines are all about. Um, because it's not like every 80s movie where there's like a, a two-minute video montage and then all of a sudden we're experts in whatever field we're, we're endeavoring in. Uh, it takes some work, and, and Second Peter kind of guides us through what this would look like. So let's pick up reading in, in verse 3. It says, His divine power, God's divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and ex- excellence. That's through the knowledge of Jesus, by which... He has granted us his precious and very great promises. So so the promises that we have in salvation are are freedom from sin, freedom to live fully human for eternal life. He's granted us these promises so that through them, through believing and having faith in these promises, we may become partakers of the divine nature. That's a huge phrase. We'll unpack that later. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this reason, because you have been saved, because you have this promises, because you are partakers of the divine nature, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And, with, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Just a quick note, that list starts with faith, and it ends in love. Supplement your faith. Start with faith. Accumulate in love. Uh, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they help keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it ends with a warning where we're going to leave off today. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this gift that we were given through the Apostle Peter, 
that his writings being preserved throughout time, throughout history, so that we could receive them today, Scott, so we could read them, so we could spend our time meditating upon them, so that we could learn a little bit more about your glorious grace and mercy and promises available to us through Jesus Christ. I pray that during this time that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to receive what you would have for us today. God, I pray that that you would help me to speak these truths with boldness, but also to speak them with humility, knowing that they apply just as much to me as to anybody else in this room. God, we pray that you would move during this time In Jesus' name, amen. So these spiritual disciplines, uh, these, what they are, they don't earn us salvation. Um, They don't earn us standing with God. They don't earn us God's approval. Notice I said that list of virtues that Peter mentions, it begins with faith. That, that, is, that is the building block for everything we're going to talk about today. That, that through faith in Christ, we have approval. Through faith in Christ, we have sonship. That we have standing with God. So these disciplines don't change who we are. We're not earning anything through the practice of spiritual disciplines. But we are growing into maturity through them. And so one of the very first quotes uh, that Richard Foster uses in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, is this. It's, It's one of those quotes on the beginning of the chapter. It says this, I go through life as a transient, on his way to eternity, made in the image of God, but that image debased, needing to be taught how to meditate, to worship, to think. That's by Donald Coggin. But these spiritual disciplines, they are guides along the path to becoming fully human. Spiritual disciplines are guides to become fully human. See, in our current state, as we are, we are not as God created us to be. We believe that God created mankind in his image to reflect himself to the world. He created Adam and Eve so so that we would be God's ambassadors, God's spokespeople, God's image toward the rest of the world. So that when people, when, when other creatures, when, when the world looked at human beings, they would see a reflection of God. And through sin, we believe that that, that image of God has become marred, just like a, a, a dirty mirror, a dirty glass. You can't quite see the image of God as you were meant to be. So in our current state, uh, because we are, are sinful and broken, we are being restored through Jesus. We are not fully human as God created humans to be. The only person who's walked this earth and is, is as fully human as God is Jesus himself. He, his life was uncorrupted by sin. It was unmarred by sinful nature. And so we look at Jesus as our example. He is what humanity was supposed to look like. He was able to love and live among a people and love perfectly in a way that people wanted to be around him. It's like, like we, we often talk about that, that, Je- that Jesus ate and dined with sinners and hypocrites, uh, but, and we think, hey, that, that's a great thing. And we think, hey, we should do that. But we often forget the other side of the story, that those sinners and hypocrites actually wanted to be around Jesus. They're like, he loved them in such a perfect way because he lived out of this, this fully humanness that reflected God's love towards them, that they wanted to be around him as well. And so Jesus is our goal. And, and I don't know if you've done any self-examination, if you've looked in a mirror recently, or if you've just, you know, 
just think about your last day. You know, we, it's easy to find where, where sin has crept into our lives, where it's corrupted that image of God. Um, and as a believer, these spiritual disciplines guide us along this path to be who we were created to be. Again, this is not salvation. Verse 3, the very first we read, says, His divine power has granted to us all, all things that pertain to life and godliness. I mean, at salvation, we, we were given all things. It's salvation that gives us standing with God. It's salvation that gives us a new identity in Christ. It's our faith. It's not these exercises. It's not these drills, if you will, of spiritual disciplines. As a non-believer, if you're a non-believer, if you're not a Christian, if you have not trusted uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, these spiritual disciplines, what are you going to hear about in the next few weeks? They may provide some, some, temporary, uh, some temporary benefit. Yes, it's good to be still. It's good to reflect. It's good to read God's Word, to memorize some Scripture. And they'll provide you some temporary benefit. But without Christ... You're doing them in vain. See, every other, every other world religion tells you that, that to earn God's favor, to earn God's trust, to respect, to earn God's blessing, that you have to, to do these things, spend time in prayer, meditation, learn the pillars, learn everything that, that is necessary, and then through that you earn favor with God. That's not what the disciplines are for in the Christian life. We already have favor with God through Christ, and we practice the disciplines because they help us to mature into what he's created us to be. And so I'm, I've said that once. This, I think this is the second time I'm saying this. The disciplines do not save us. Only Jesus does that. Um, and becoming spiritually mature is going to take work. If we look at verse 5, it says, For this reason, because you've been saved, because you've been given these promises of God, because God has done such amazing things in your life, for this very reason, make every effort. Man, we don't like that word. Effort. Make every effort. Not just make some effort, give it a little go, give it the college try. No, make every effort to supplement your faith. See, the disciplines come alongside of your faith that you already have, and they help you grow stronger. You, you take a daily vitamin to supplement your diet, not because a vitamin's going to nourish you. It's not going to give you all the nutrients you need to fulfill your diet throughout the day, but it, it helps fortify. It helps strengthen your diet. That's what a supplement does, and that's how the disciplines act in the life of a believer. Um, and anytime I think about what the disciplines are, I can't help but think about uh, Francis Chan. And Francis Chan, he, he encourages people to, in his book Crazy Love, to consider what must go on in the mind of a caterpillar when it turns into a butterfly. Um, you know, a caterpillar is born, it's a little grub, it's like a little ball of slime. Uh, it's nothing special. Nobody wants to touch it or look at it unless you're my daughter, which she loves any kind of animal. Uh, she'll pick up anything. Uh, it's a little grub, and then it gets hairy. Not just like a little hairy. Caterpillars get hairy all over. So slimy wasn't disgusting enough. It's hairy. And then a caterpillar, you know, one day and it crawls up a leaf, and then it eats a leaf. And if I've learned anything through having three kids in children's literature is that caterpillars are very, very hungry. <laughs> and they eat a lot, and they get full, and they get fat. And then, then they hang on a leaf and then take a long nap. 
And just think about what must go on in the mind of a caterpillar. As it wakes up, as it breaks through its chrysalis, it, it's just there snug and looks up. Something feels different. Something feels off and all of a sudden just... Shut up! <laughs> what? Then you start moving. What? As it starts moving, it's, it starts lifting... Off the, off the flower, off the leaf, whatever, it's chrysalis. It's flying. Shut up. Look this new life. This is new creation. This is what happens in the life of a believer. The old has passed away and the new has come. And the spiritual disciplines are work. It takes work to flap a wing. If you look at the body of a butterfly, it's really thick in its upper torso and its thorax. Because there are huge muscles. Butterflies are insects with muscles. Because it takes work to flap those wings. But too many of us in our Christian lives, we've become new creations. We've gotten these amazing tools, this amazing access through Christ with God. And instead of flapping our wings, instead of taking advantage of that access, of spending time with God, of of reading the scriptures with the help of the Holy Spirit, instead of Doing this, we, we just use our legs and crawl back down that flower and roll around in the dirt. Instead of flying from flower to flower doing what God's created us to do, we, we choose the long path. Because it's what we've always known. It's what we're used to. We don't see butterflies in nature doing this. Maybe because uh, just there's a peek into Heath's mind, but whenever I told him this, this illustration, he, he says, says, I wonder if anyone's done a study on how conscious butterflies are, caterpillars are when they make this. And I'm just like, where is your mind that that is where you go? Like, it's like, has anyone done any cognitive, cognitive studies of what goes on? It's like, how would you even start that? Um, I Googled, nobody's done it. Um, so that's something Heath can take on. Um, but in the spiritual disciplines, what we're doing for the first time, we're, we're practicing muscles. We don't practicing using muscles we never had before. And as, as Donald Coogan said, Kogan said, said we need to be taught how to pray, how to meditate. Um, and so, how do the spiritual disciplines do this? How the, how do they how do they help us become fully human? Here's two ways: uh, the spiritual disciplines guide us to freedom from sin. The spiritual disciplines guide us to freedom from sin. So look at verse 4. Talked about we're, we're going to talk about this little partakers of divine nature, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises, all the promises we have in Jesus for, full, for the abundant life in this life and in the life to come, so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? It means through Jesus that, that we can experience what it is to be fully human. That in Jesus that, that we have the opportunity to, to just feel. We can partake of what it is to be God. Remember, we were created in God's image to be God's representatives to this world. So we partake in that divine nature. How do we do that? How do we partake in God's nature? Having escaped from corruption that is in this world because of sinful desires. Guys, we, we, we've got to escape this world. We've got to get rid of those sinful desires. And, and we have these desires that, that we think are too strong. 
We, we think we can't kick this habit, we can't kick this sin, we can't kick this desire because it's too strong in my life. This is what C.S. Lewis says about our desires and their strength and power over our lives. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, the practice of spiritual disciplines in our lives give us a taste of something greater than our old appetites. Because the presence of God is far greater than our sin and our old habits. We just haven't developed an appetite for them yet. We haven't spent enough time in prayer. We haven't spent enough time through setting time apart in our calendar in God's word, practicing the spiritual disciplines, and by practicing the spiritual disciplines, developing an appetite for the presence of God. Have you ever, ever remember trying something out for the first time? Guys, some of you may not recognize me from the time I preached here last time because I'm down 40 pounds from the time I preached here last time. That took work. That took effort. We got an old set of P90X videos, and I did one of those the very first time. It was like a 40-minute video. I'm 15 minutes in. I'm done. I'm dead. Like I got up the next day after 15 minutes. I could barely walk. Me and my wife did that same video this last week, and like it was 50 minutes long. It was like I wasn't even sore because because my body had adjusted. I'd grown, and, and not only did I grow used to, it, I've developed an appetite for it. It's like when I don't work out, like I just feel weird. I get to the end of the day, and I'm I'm just like, oh, I just feel like I got to move. I got to walk around. Like 10 o'clock at night, I'm sitting around my house going like this. It's like, I got to get, I got to get the, what's it called, the, um, no, the acid, like the acid, lactic acid buildup. I got to, I got to get that out because I'm, I'm going to start cramping up or something. But you adjust to it. It's the same thing in your spiritual life. The first time you sit down and you have a quiet time, you look at the word of God, you'd spend time in prayer. You know, the skies of heaven are probably not going to open up. You're not going to get the feels all over and just feel like, that was amazing, the more and more you do it, the more you develop an appetite for it, the more you, you realize there's something different. And the second way the spiritual, gui- spiritual disciplines guide us into intimacy with God, um, the, the second way they de- develop us into being more fully human is the spiritual disciplines guide us into intimacy with God. Now, this is something we don't notice at first. But it's something that happens over time. It is we develop an intimacy with God. We, we spend time with God and his word. We spend time, and then all of a sudden we, we begin to see God's work around us. See, as believers, we believe that God is Lord over all things and that he's working at all times in all places for, for our good and for his glory. We believe that. We say we believe that, but we don't always see it. But then when you spend time with God, when you get to know how he works, you get to know his word, you get to know his character, your eyes become open to how God is working and moving 
all around you. And what this called is this is intimacy. As you get to know someone more and more, you get to know things about them. You recognize their handwriting. You recognize how they move and work. And, and, and with God, you get to know him through the spiritual disciplines. You get to see and you begin to recognize, oh, God is God's doing something here. In my family, God is doing something here. In, in my group of friends, because, because you're intimate with God on a daily basis, you get to recognize and see where he's moving in other places. This is what intimacy with God looks like. This is, this is kind of like me in ice skating, like figure skating. It's like I, I, I don't love figure skating. I'll make that confession, I know. Um, I'm not passionate about it, but I married a woman who used to figure skate as a hobby. Um, and now, when the Olympics come on and there's figure skating on TV, I'm watching and I know the difference between, between a flip and a lutz is where you land on the edge of your blade. Are you landing on the inside or the outside of the blade? Did you know there was an inside or outside of the blade? I do. Not because I love figure skating, but because my wife does. Did you know that, it, that an axle is just a fancy way of saying they had an extra half turn? I didn't know that. Instead of saying three and a half turns, they say, uh, they, they say whatever they say, something axle. But I learned these things because my wife is passionate about it and because, because I know she loves it sometimes. And I'm confessing this in front of you guys. Sometimes she's not even in the room and I'm watching figure skating because that's what intimacy does. You begin to see the things that they see. We, I love the song Hosanna from the, the mid-aughts. Uh, I really don't love the song's okay, but the bridge is incredible. It's, it says, heal my heart and make me clean. That's where we started, faith. God has healed our heart and makes, but then it goes on, it moves on, it asks God to do more than that. It says, open my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. That's what intimacy looks like. And through the spiritual disciplines, we get to see the world as God sees the world. Our heart breaks for the things that break his hearts. And we don't get that kind of intimacy. We don't get that simply by just, just attending holy events a couple times a week. We get that through the spiritual disciplines. The more time we spend with God, the more time these virtues that, that Peter mentions just shine through faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. The more we spend time with God, the more those flow through us. And remember, they, they begin with faith. The disciplines don't save you. Your faith in Jesus does. And through all that, as you develop your faith, as you supplement your faith, love, it will all culminate in love. It will more easily flow through you. As you, as you go into the disciplines, if you, if you go into practicing them in your life, there's, there's two dangers to avoid. Or even as you just approach these spiritual disciplines, there's, I want to leave you with this, two dangers to avoid, legalism and apathy. See, there's this temptation that, that when you do something, everybody's got to do it. You know, we all know CrossFit people. It's like they do, they do it and they think everybody's got to do it. Um, 
that's legalism. Uh, yes, that's, you can accuse your CrossFit friends of legalism if they are pressuring you into joining CrossFit. But, but if you engage in the spiritual disciplines, there, there's this temptation to think, I'm more holy, I'm better, I'm greater because... I do this. Remember that the disciplines don't save us. They don't give us standing. They don't give us favor with God. Only Jesus does that. But they help us grow in our intimacy with God. Remember, the culmination of those virtues is love. If you're doing the disciplines and it doesn't further deepen your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, it doesn't deepen your love for other people but makes you feel better than or other than, then you may be gaining a spirit of legalism in your life. Verse 8 tells us, for if these qualities are yours and increasing, you keep from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the legalists will look down upon anyone that does not practice the disciplines and they do not have brotherly affection or love for the church or their brother in Christ. The other danger to, vo- to avoid is apathy, is just to, to look at the disciplines and think they're too hard. They're too difficult. I have ADD. I can't f- concentrate. I can't sit still. I can't. Th- that's being apathetic. Try. Engage them. The apathetic person will, will disengage from anything, and, and they'll, they'll clothe it in religious language and say, no, that looks like works. Forget that. I'm not going to engage in that because that's, that's works-based salvation. That, it, it's not true. And Peter actually says this in verse 9. He says the people that that do not have these qualities that aren't engaging in spiritual disciplines, it says they forget that they were cleansed from their former sins. They forget they have wings like a butterfly and they end up crawling in the dirt when they have the potential to fly. Talking about these two dangers of legalism and apathy, Tim Keller says they are in fact both non-identical twins from the same womb. They have the same root. Both stem from the belief that we will have to pry blessing out of God's begrudging, unwilling fingers with all sorts of observances and performances. In both cases, the law of God is viewed not as an expression of his gracious love for us, but rather as a burden, a necessary tool for mollifying an unloving deity. Both mindsets share the same incomprehension of the joy of obedience. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the joy of obedience, the joy of following the ways that God has graciously given us to know what it's like to live fully human. The legalist sees God as unloving and ungiving and unwielding, and so they think, if I, if I do these acts, I will pry God's blessing out of his hand. He will bless me. He'll have to bless me. The apathetic looks at God the same way and says, no, I'm not about that life. And this is what the disciplines are. They're they're the road to spiritual maturity. They're a celebration of discipline. They are about the joy of obediently following God's plan for our life. Um, I did coach that little league team. They were not very good. they, they also, along with the threat of coach this team or else, immediately with the roster, they like sent a list of demands. They called it like a coach's preseason checklist. They're like, do this, watch these videos, email the parents on this date, you know, learn these drills, like all, 
way demanding. Um, I wasn't disciplined in that. We had a lot of fun. I will say that. Our kids had a lot of fun. Our parents had a lot of fun. Um, but there was no one being scouted uh, from our team that year because we weren't disciplined. Uh, we weren't very great. And, and be, if any of those kids make the majors, it's not because of their t-ball coach. Um, but there's hope. Um, the other quote that, uh, that Richard Foster starts his uh, book out with, he says, we're all beginners. And in this life, that's all we'll ever be, is a bunch of beginners. And so I wasn't asked to come preach this message because I'm the most disciplined person the elders of the Bridge Montrose have ever met. But we're all beginners. We're all walking this journey together. And as you learn about the spiritual disciplines, approach them with, with a willing heart to engage in them with just open hands, just asking, God, God, do what you will with this time and through this practice. Uh, so let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we, we thank you for the wisdom of men who have gone before us. For the apostle Peter who, who wrote this passage, God, for, for men who have practiced the presence of God and, and chosen to, to write down what they've experienced. To write down their experience with prayer or meditation or fasting and solitude. God, God that they've... they've They've gone before us. They've, they've set the pace. They've set the path. And even though they feel like beginners, God, we are, we are with them. We are one of them. God, we, we pray that as we engage in these disciplines that we would not look to anyone or anything but Jesus for our, for our identity and for our salvation. God, we, we pray that, that, that as we walk in the security of fully being known by God, that we would seek to fully know you in this life. God, help us. God, help us and teach us how to pray, how to meditate, and how to worship as we journey this life together. We pray and ask in Jesus' name.